0: Hi, and welcome to PIMPT, OBGYN, a podcast aimed at helping you excel at your clinical clerkship in OBGYN. I'm Dr. Jennifer Dory, a third year resident at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia and founder of PIMPT, a medical flashcard app. Welcome back to PIMPT. Today, we're going to be talking about what you need to know before your first colposcopy and leap. So first off, what are colposcopies and leaps? These are things you probably heard about very briefly during your second year lecture, but don't see a whole lot in the office. Um, but you very well will run into at some point during your office portion of your um, OBGYN rotation. So, colposcopy is essentially looking at the cervix with a microscope and using different solutions to highlight areas of abnormality. How do you get to need a colposcopy? So, the reason we do colposcopy is usually after an abnormal pap smear. Um that was done for cervical cancer screening. So if you take a look, there's a group called the ASCCP. They run the guidelines and publish the guidelines on the p- correct protocols for how to respond to abnormal PAPs and sort of the reasons that you end up at a colposcopy. These are guidelines that by no means do you need to memorize, but they are sometimes things that show up on the shelf in terms of, does somebody with an LCIL PAP, um, how do they best get managed? Um which means usually a colposcopy, or somebody with an uh, ascus PAP, an abnormal but unknown significance PAP, uh- get managed if they're young and healthy, in which case it's usually follow up with repeat PAP. So just knowing and being familiar with the the general concepts behind the guidelines can be helpful, although you really don't need to memorize them all. The link to the PDF for the guidelines is in the description of the podcast below. And there's also an an app you can get on your phone if you're thinking about going into OBGYN. It's 10 bucks, but um, it keeps you up to date and has a really nice algorithm. So either that or download the PDF to have on your phone so you can take quick peeks at things um, and look really smart on the wards. All right, so let's all, let's back up a second and talk a little bit about cervical dysplasia and um, what's actually causing us to need a colposcopy. So cervical dysplasia, cervical cancer in general is a completely preventable form of, of cancer um, in the developed world. We have one of the best screening tests around for it, which is a combination of the pap smear and the HPV um, testing. So cervical cancer is caused by a virus. It is caused by HPV or the human papillomavirus. It um, is a sexually transmitted infection. The two most common, most virulent strains, the most commonly causing cervical cancer, um, are virus, the strains 16 and 18. Those two were the first two that were developed into a vaccine called the cerverix Nowadays, you guys probably hear more about Gardasil. Gardasil protects you against not only these most common kinds that cause, uh, cervical cancer, but also the most common kinds that cause genital warts. So HPV is responsible for both of those things, cervical dysplasia and cervical cancer, as well as cervical, uh, or as well as, um, genital warts. Um, um, so it's preventable by vaccination and by screening and then treatment before it turns into cancer so the goal of screening is to te- to find any pre-cancer any dysplasia before it turns into Frank cancer um, so we're able to pick up an- abnormalities the way we talk about abnormalities are on a scale of one to three um, with one being a tiny with one being abnormal, but potentially reversible. Um, Two and three being more more concerning for a progression to cancer, Um, but three still being not cancer, it's still dysplasia. And then eventually um, cervical cancer comes after that. So what we're trying to do with the colposcopy is take a look at the cervix, figure out why we had abnormal cells on our pap smear, try to figure out exactly where those cells came from, identify an area of concern, and then take a biopsy of that area of concern if necessary. Things to also be familiar with, you might get asked about during a colposcopy or a leap, what are the risk factors for cervical cancer, smoking, um, other sexually transmitted infections, including HIV, um, anything that essentially could reduce your ability to fight off a virus um, in the vagina or in the cervix. So, or anything that causes immunodeficiency. So, chronic steroids use, um, immunosuppression for an organ transplant, any of that would put you at a much higher risk for uh, dysplasia and cervical cancer. So, Talk briefly about the histology, not my favorite topic, but something you got to understand at least a little bit of when we're talking about colposcopies in the leaf. So the cervix is made of squamous cells on the, um, on the outside, on the portion of the cervix that you're going to be looking at. There's also the um, endocervix, which is the canal, which has glandular tissue. And then there's what we call the squamocolumnar junction, which is from the outside, those squamous cells that are going to be mostly what you look at. And then the, the columnar glandular cells that go through the canal. Um, The squamous cells are going to be most commonly what we're talking about. It's what the pap pap smear is meant to pick up um, and screen for. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the cells under the microscope in a couple different ways. We might just look at them outright and see if we can see anything abnormal. Very atypical to see something abnormal. That typically means it's pretty advanced if we can see an outright lesion. Um, To pick up dysplasia, more oftenly, we're going to put on a solution of some kind. The first solution we see... um, often used is acetic acid. The exact mechanism of how acetic acid works is unknown, but atypical cells, if you remember from, you know, first and second year of med school, atypical cells often have a higher nucleus to cytoplasmic ratio. So they have more dense nucleus compared to the cytoplasm, which is the less dense area of the cell. So the acetic acid turns that nucleus white. Um, so the cells that are abnormal that have a higher nucleus to cytoplasmic ratio appear whiter. So they cause what we call aceto white change. So when the cells, when we put the acetic acid on the cervix, if it turns white, those cells are considered more likely to be abnormal. We're looking for patterns of change um, within the cervix itself. So acetic acid and looking for aceto white change is the first thing we're going to look at on a a colposcopy. The second thing we can look at um, is something or a solution we can use is Lugol's. Lugol's is an iodine rich solution. The iodine reacts with glycogen. Glycogen is in normal squamous cells. Um, It is should be there in the cells. So if these cells turn iodine stained, if they turn dark brown, they're normal. So unlike the acetic acid, which is abnormal cells will turn a color with Lugol's, normal cells turn a color. So for Lugol's, we're looking for non-staining cells. Those will be our abnormal. Um, so that's the important difference to remember. So acetic, we're looking for the ones that change to white Lugol's. We're looking for the ones that don't change. Um, so we can see several things by applying this acetic acid in the Lugols. We can see what we just call HPV changes, which are sort of diffuse changes without any clear pattern. Um, we can also see things like increased vascularity. We can put a green light on the microscope and see um, vessels pretty well. So we can see abnormal vessels because as you know, cancer, precancer, all of these things are very good at recruiting vascularity because they demand a lot of blood supply and nutrients to grow. Um, we can also see things called punctations just Essentially, little puncture marks on the cervix; There's in-drawing of cells, um, which is pretty pathognomonic for abnormality. There's also something called mosaicism, which kind of looks like a reticular or a lacy pattern um, on the surface. In terms of what the which cells are picking up the um, the acetic acid or the Lugols, and then any contour changes. So just like when you're looking at breasts and doing a breast exam, if there's dimpling, if there's um, not a smooth contour. I mean, if anything has changed, there's a raised area, there's a depressed area, there's an ulcerated area, anything like that. If you see something abnormal, um, that's a sign of something not quite right, and we're probably going to take a small biopsy. So during the colposcopy, most people will end up taking some type of biopsy. The reason being, um, there's been a couple papers that have shown an increased um, detection of CIN 2 and 3, even if you take random biopsies, even if you don't see any changes. So we typically err on the side if the person had a higher grade um, PAP, or if we're concerned, or if they're older or have any risk factors, um, err on the side of taking a biopsy or two. Um, The way we do this is we take a tiny um, or a a small instrument called usually a Kevorkian forceps or something of that nature to um, just take a small little, essentially not scrape because it's got some depth to it, a little bite out of the cervix. Um, These are not comfortable. The woman usually does not have any anesthesia for this, not even lidocaine on the cervix. Um, So it's not exactly comfortable, but it gets the cells you need to tell if uh, if we got cancer or anything. So after that colposcopy... Um, if everything looks normal, we take the biopsies, they go to the lab, they'll come back a week or two later. If a patient has CIN2 or 3, that's typically when we're going to say, all right, let's talk about doing an excisional procedure, rem- meaning removing a portion of the cervix. So if we take out a portion of the cervix that has the abnormal cells, she essentially gets to start over. There's a chance with CIN1 and with two, and three that she can heal it. And I usually tell patients, I think of HPV like a really bad cold. Most people at some point in their lives are going to have some strain of HPV. It's super common, hopefully less now with the vaccines out there, but still people are going to be exposed to it. The question being, how well does your body fight it off and how completely does it fight it off? Um, So, it it's normal to come in contact with it and your body should be able to fight it off. Most people who come in contact with it when they're young will fight it off, but it can re- um, remain down in the basal membrane of that cervix and create problems with long-term abnormalities in terms of long-term abnormalities of paps and then eventually turning into cancer after many years of being dormant. Um so that's why we, we watch people with abnormal PAPs pretty closely for a prolonged period of time to make sure it's not going to turn into something. But on the bright side, we usually have about 10 years to pick up an abnormality before something's going to turn into cancer. That obviously changes if you have other risk factors, things that are going to decrease your time um, before you develop cancer. Again, people who smoke, who have HIV, um, who are immunosuppressed, things like that um, are going to be more likely to develop abnormalities and cancers faster. All right. So if we have to do an excisional procedure, the most common excisional procedure performed, um, is a leap or a loop excisional, um, oh, sorry, a loop electrocautery excisional procedure. Sorry. I just finished a night shift. I'm on my third week of seven of nights. I'm getting a little loopy. So, um, a leap is in, in, in office or in OR procedure where you, Take a small piece of the cervix out with essentially a wire that is looped. It works uh, similar to a Bovie. It has um, a monopolar current and is a, a wire um, that essentially can cut off uh, the end of the cervix most commonly. Ideally, you do it in a single pass with... Um, with an emphasis on any areas that looked abnormal with the acetic acid, or if you had a, a prior biopsy, you know the abnormalities at 12 o'clock, you're going to try and get a slightly bigger piece of from 12 o'clock. There's also something called a top hat if we're worried about an abnormality in the cervical canal itself. So if we had a uh, reason to believe that the atypical cells could be glandular or columnar like we talked about, that they could be coming from inside that canal, we'll do something called a top hat, which is a smaller piece focused really on that endocervical canal. So that's the LEAP. That's the most common procedure you're going to see. The um, slightly less common procedure is something called a cold knife cone. This is something that nowadays is really performed primarily by gynecologic oncologists uh, with for particular reasons. So not just people with low-grade abnormalities, but people with higher-grade abnormalities and um, cervical canal disease. So somebody who had an abnormal endocervical um, curating, so an ECC or um, atypical glandular cells that are coming from their cervix might be people who get um, a cold knife cone. The other time we do a cold knife cone is if somebody is uh, pregnant, but thought to have early potentially um, high grade CIN3 or early cancer, they can get a cold knife cone to try to remove that uh, and allow them to continue the pregnancy safely. There are more complications with the cold knife cone because as the name implies, it is a cold knife. It is a scalpel um, cutting into a very vascular portion of the body, which is the cervix. Um, so there's just slightly more blood loss. It takes a larger piece of the cervix or not a larger, a longer piece. I meaning it goes up towards the uterus more. Um, so there, it's associated with a slightly higher complication. So that's why people tend to favor the, the leap when it is clinically appropriate. Um, but if you do any rotation with uh, gynecologic oncology or anything, you might have a chance to see a cold knife cone. Um, they're pretty rare. So if you do appreciate the experience, all right, I think that's pretty much it. So really, um, colposcopies and leaps know about your acetic acid. You're looking for acetyl white change. Um, abnormal cells will turn white because of that high nuclear to cytoplasmic ratio with Lugol's it's iodine rich and the normal cells will take up the iodine. So the normal cells will turn dark Brown. So you're looking for the non-changing, the non-staining cells. HPV causes cervical cancer. Um, Protect people, whatever you go into, encourage people to get the HPV vaccine. It, it saves a lot of women's lives um, and it's good for men too. They they carry the virus and pass it around. So get um, get everybody vaccinated if you go into peds or uh, internal medicine or OBGYN, really whatever, encourage that vaccine if you can. Um, leaps for um, for most Uh, cervical dysplasia, and then cold knife cones really for higher grade stuff that the uh, gynecologic oncologists are really taking care of these days. All right. If you have questions or comments, let us know. Um, If you want to hear certain topics or you got ideas for new podcasts, uh, write in. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe below and um, look forward to seeing you next time.